Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. All right, let's do it. Episode 602 of the podcast. Sorry, caught me off guard there for a second. Um, I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Welcome to the show. The Knicks defeat the Chicago Bulls 116-100 last night at Madison Square Garden. I just drank a Coke. I'm about to start burping, so I got to get through this episode. How are we? Um... Yeah, big win last night, 116-100, and um, we're getting right into it. So, like the Knicks, like we, we, we've we said this before, <clears throat> whenever things look a little grim, they always find a way to stabilize it. That's been their MO under Tibbs. They've, you know, they lose, they lose three straight games. Dip to the number eight seed by a little bit, you know, fall to just a couple games above 500. But OG debuts, the Knicks beat a tough Minnesota team. Then they go demolish the Chicago Bulls in the second half last night. So it felt good to get that win. Two in a row to start the new year and you know, Chicago came into this game with a few injuries. Uh, Levine, Vucevic, Torrey Craig, and of course, Alonzo. Uh, they were coming off of a blowout loss. Tough loss. This was the second of a back-to-back for them. Um, so the Knicks handled business. The Knicks came into this game with no Clyde. Where's he been, man? Like, I understand he's probably on the brink of retirement. And I believe MSG has said like he's doing less road games and the Knicks are home. And you you're like not seeing him at all, home or away. I feel like you we've barely seen Clyde Frazier this year. Um, I just hope he's okay. I hope he's not ill or I don't think they've mentioned where he is. My gosh, he's like barely done any games. So maybe he's retiring. This might be his last year. I have a feeling. Because we just don't see him often. And, you know, no disrespect to Alan Hans, done a great job, wonderful job. Uh, while Zerbiak's filled in, you know, I've had my ups. Yeah, my, 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 I don't always agree with Wally, but he's 
doing a nice job and barely seeing Walt. So I hope he's okay. Um, but the Knicks win 116-100 last night. Kenny Albert on the call. Kenny Albers. Um, and the Knicks looked hot out the gate. Strong start on both ends. But that was until they started turning it over. Brunson was 5-5 five five to begin the game. But as soon as he checks out and OG gets into early foul trouble, plenty of turnovers, and the bench begins to struggle. The bench in the second quarter was brutal. We'll talk about the bench unit. The Knicks get sloppy. They're throwing the ball all over the place, overpassing, indecisive, 13 turnovers at half, and it's 55-51 Chicago at the break. Third quarter, Knicks came out sharp. Julius Randle was fantastic. He was aggressive, playmaking, scoring, passing. Big third quarter for him. He was hustling, making big defensive hustle plays, getting out on the break. And the Knicks take an 86-78 lead after three. Fourth quarter comes. It's kind of the same story early on with the bench. Got so bad again, Tibbs was forced to go to Brunson and the starters like right away. About midway uh, through the fourth quarter, the Knicks go on this big-time 19-4 run and put the game away, and they eventually win 116-100. Randall and Brunson lead the Knicks with a combined 66 points. For Chicago, DeRozan and Kobe White led the Bulls with 54 points combined. But I love the defense. Um, Listen, two games against two bad offenses, 20th and 25th in offense, these two teams. But, like, to see that the Knicks are capable of stopping an NBA team again feels good (laughs) because it got bad for a while. And, obviously, OG comes in here, has been unbelievable on that end already. His defense down the stretch in this game was excellent. We'll talk about that. Thought the Knicks played good team defense. Getting over screens. I thought their rotations were good from behind. That was a key key uh, reason this defense was so locked down. The chemistry with these guys knowing where to cover for other assignments. But I want to start first and foremost because we're not giving this guy the game ball since we have somebody else getting it. But like he was so good and he's going to get I don't want to overlook him. How do you not start with Isaiah Hartenstein? Because he has been unbelievable for the Knicks. And Isaiah Hartenstein took on a rejuvenated Andre Drummond last night, who's been playing very well with the Bulls. And he did it pretty effortlessly. And that's not to say he doesn't put in effort. Isaiah Hartenstein is physical, he's tough. 10 points, 20 rebounds, 5 blocks. I would, you know, state a little fun fact for you, but it's kind of part of our trivia, so I'll save it. But that was his line. Constantly challenging penetrators at the basket, getting into position in the middle, blocking shots, offensive rebounds, resetting the offense. You know, with Mitchell Robinson out, when you found out about that, You thought that without his offensive rebounding, his pick-and-roll defense, rim protection, 
his screen and roll gravity on the other end, that the Knicks would be much, much worse off than they were. Especially because it was so sudden, and just like that, the team had to change their identity. Right, They had to go from this defense-first team to a team that relies more on their offense. But Isaiah Hartenstein has more than held it down in such a different way, too, with the shot blocking and the offense that he brings, the spacing, the ball movement, playmaking. And he's been playing so well where it's like Isaiah Hartenstein's probably playing his way off the Knicks. He's due for the bag this summer. And, it, you know, you start to question, like, should the Knicks really invest all this money into two centers in this era? They probably have to give iHeart the full amount and use his bird rights, so that's going to put him at, like, $16 million-ish salary. And you add that with Mitch's salary, now you're paying two centers at $30 million a year. So, you know, we can get into trading Mitch, because I know some people are all in on that. I'm open to it. Uh, but, like, that's a whole other conversation. I don't want to start talking about that stuff right now. I just want to appreciate at the moment that Isaiah Hartenstein has kept the Knicks afloat, to say the least. And Lord knows the Knicks need it because, you know, they've suffered through Jericho Sims playing some bad basketball, Taj Gibson having difficult times staying with the youngsters. And now Precious Achua doesn't exactly look great to start his Knicks career. So credit to Isaiah Hartenstein, who I mispronounce the dude's name about 99.9% of the time, which is why I like to go to iHeart. Uh, but credit to Isaiah Hartenstein. I do know how to pronounce it. I just It, it just doesn't roll off the tongue like that for me. I'm an Italian. It's not easy for me to pronounce, what is it, German names? I don't know what he is. German or Jewish. Um, but like... Yeah, Isaiah Hartenstein, he's been fantastic. Um, And he's closing basketball games like he was last year. Even when Mitch was starting last year, you saw iHeart in a lot of those closing lineups. And obviously now he's going to have to close. And he's closing and he's making a big impact in the fourth quarter. And I want to talk about these closing lineups that we're seeing. One. In particular, right? You're starting to see Tibbs kind of solidify what his go-to closing lineup might be. Two straight games now where he's going with OG and Josh Hart on the wings. And I guess we'll start with the positive. The defense is absolutely elite this way. You know, the Knicks closed the game on a 23-9 game. Uh, 23 to 9 run with that lineup. Um, I like the pairing with OG and iHeart together. That's an excellent, like, they, they seem to have a defensive chemistry. I noticed that in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, closing the game with those OG, Josh Hart wing lineups, like, it's, it's, the Knicks are going to play some excellent defense. That's a given. OG played. Phenomenal defense down the stretch, too. He was a little quieter offensively, but he played phenomenal defense in the fourth quarter. Now, I mentioned last episode how OG Anilobi is going to be very useful 
as an off-ball defender on the back line. Um, and we saw every reason last night. We saw a couple possessions. I want to talk about one in particular where, like, it was just a perfect example of that, of his defensive versatility and how he can help you defensively in so many different ways. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there was a perfect example of his off-ball defense with less than five minutes left in the game. Chicago runs stagger screens. iHeart switches on to, to Kobe White. Caruso beats Randall on a drive from the right wing to the middle of the lane. iHeart's now outside of the paint on Kobe White, so he's not at the basket to deter Caruso. But it's OG bringing backline help. He's down there waiting for Caruso instead. So OG contests the shot, forces the miss. iHeart grabs the rebound, and this leads to that Julius Randall and one, which helped the Knicks kind of solidify the victory at the moment. So I thought that was an excellent team defensive play and a great job by OG in the back line providing help. And then just a minute or two later, with about three and a half left out of a out of a sideline out of bounds play, OG provides good ball denial on DeRozan, who eventually receives the ball off DHO. But OG does a nice job getting through the screen and recovering. Deflects the pass. Gets back to DeRozan, contests DeRozan's shot, forces the pass to Patrick Williams, and then OG rotates over to Patrick Williams to contest his shot and forces the miss. Josh Hart grabs the board. Brunson knocks down a step back on the other end to put the Knicks up 17 points. So when I say that this kid plays great defense, I'm not just talking BS. Just watch him. Um, and he reminds me of a young Kawhi Leonard the way he defends now I feel like this has to be like I feel like every time you compare somebody to like a bigger player a better player you have to prereq you have to prerequisite by you know saying I'm not comparing talent blah 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 I'm just saying like defensively the way he plays defense how hard he plays defense and how how he can play defense in many ways it reminds me of a young Kawhi um. So that's the positive of that closing lineup. Now, it gets tricky with that lineup because while the defense is very elite, you just ask yourself, is it going to be enough overall to keep going back to? Because the Knicks half-court spacing, whenever Josh Hart is out there, especially when he's like with Randall, it's... He's just not a half-court weapon, so the defense completely helps off him, and they practically ignore him at times. And the Knicks last night, they were able to alleviate that deficiency because they brought Josh Hart up top as a screener for Brunson, so often you would see Josh Hart come up and either screen the switch for Brunson to get the DeRozan matchup, or if the Bulls trapped it, Brunson would hit Hart on the short roll or he'd outlet to Randall one pass over. I feel like, though, against better competition who are more equipped to defend that, the Knicks might not be getting away with Josh Hart screening. Um, maybe they can hide him on the weak side in the corner instead of having him one pass from the action. But I feel like we should definitely try different lineups down the stretch. Um, I feel like 
not going to DiVincenzo or Grimes might be mistakes. I feel like they can give the Knicks more floor spacing and creativity. Um, I I just because I keep thinking back, and I feel like a lot people a lot of people should think back to that Heat series last year, and the way Miami treated Josh Hart was literally the same exact way the Knicks treated Isaac Okoro in the series prior, right? They just completely disregarded him, and it was five on four in the half court. And so my concern is that Tom Thibodeau, with him not being very flexible as it is, falls in love with this unit because of its size and defensive versatility. And all of a sudden, Dante DiVincenzo and Quinton Grimes aren't playing down the stretch and the Knicks' half-court offense gets very stagnant again. So I hope that Tibbs doesn't just make this 80% of the time because he has a tendency to do that with certain lineups that he likes. Um, but so far, we're seeing the pattern. I will say, in the um, Minnesota game, when OG fouled out, DiVincenzo was the one to check in. But, like, I, I don't know if that means anything because it's either DiVincenzo or Grimes, and OG was the one who fouled out and not Hart. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm just a little concerned to see where that goes. But overall, it worked to perfection last night, just as it did with Minnesota. Um, so it was, it was, it's elite defensively. You can't take that away from them. That might be a defense lineup that works. Um, on a negative, I don't want to harp on too many negatives. But, like, this has to be talked about, too. The bench unit, it could be a problem. Like, it's very bad. It is very bad, and it could and will be a problem going forward. Um, There are obviously plenty of good things to say about this new-look roster, this new rotation. OG Ananobi is great. I love him. I love the trade. The Knicks needed this trade. But you do see some of the negatives. The Knicks have now lost that spark with Quickly, who was a guy who came in, provided energy, changed the momentum of a game, knocked down huge shots, got the garden going. That was Quickly's identity. R.J. Barrett was another ball handler who played with the second unit. But they don't have them anymore, so now you're seeing. You saw on the top of the second quarter, and you saw for a few minutes in the top of the fourth quarter before it got so bad, Tibbs was like, fuck this. But in the second quarter, Randall's in with the second unit alongside Deuce, Grimes, Hart, and Precious Achua. So you have Randall next to four non-scorers who can't knock down shots very well and don't really attack closeouts great. So what was Chicago doing? They were sending help from Randall's blind side, loading up at the nail, applying constant attention, ball pressure on Randall whenever he posted. And that would just lead to slow decision-making, a lot of turnovers, and very stagnant offense that was very easy to defend. Easy to guard. Um, And the Knicks went from up four points when the starters checked out with two minutes in the first 
to down five points before the starters check back in with seven and a half left to go in the second quarter. Fourth quarter comes. The Knicks were up eight points entering, but they ended up being up by only two points by the time Brunson had a check back in. He had a check back in literally two minutes into the period. So you got four non-scorers standing around, not effective in the half court. Nobody's really screening for each other, and the defense just sends help to Randall. And it's not completely Randall's fault. Like, when they're sending help, guys got to do a better job coming to him and getting the ball. They got to let Randall know, yo, help's coming from the weak side, from the strong, from, from the blind side. But, like, the Knicks can only do so much to mitigate that. It's just not going to be a sustainable formula. It's just not. Brunson and Randall, they have to do so much right now. Last night was the first time all year, excuse me, where they each scored over 30 points in a game. That's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that Randall scored 30 and two consecutive without IQ in RJ. It's also not a coincidence that without those two guys, Brunson picked up two straight double-digit assist games because he's taken on a lot more usage. You know, so so Brunson and Randall having to play 40-plus minutes at this rate, I don't know that that's going to be a sustainable thing to do. So, and, you know, part two of this trade is coming. All the reporters are saying it. There's no way they can go forward without it. And we'll talk about this. But, like, in the meantime, whenever this trade does happen between now and a month, you got to try something different. You know, I would try running DiVincenzo and iHeart with the second unit some. Because at least then you have movement, ball handling, creation. Right? Dante DiVincenzo was used to being a secondary, tertiary ball handler from when he played with Golden State and Milwaukee. So maybe, how do you run the rotation with Dante as as the, the guy off the bench? I don't know. Does he play the first half of the second quarter and then Grimes closes the half? But then it's like, now you're not getting any Dante at the end of either half. That kind of seems wrong. If Grimes is going to close the second quarter, well, you know Tibbs is going IG or um, OG and Hart in the fourth. Do you run Brunson with the bench unit? Because he's very good at turning little spacing into open looks for himself. So he's probably better at that than Randall is. But like, again... You're going to run into a problem where Brunson's going to be ran out there for 43 minutes a night. So do you sit Dante in the later half of the first quarter and then you play him the inse- the entire second quarter? Where's Grimes getting his minutes? Like Josh Hart, he seems lost without quickly. So he needs a playmaker with him. Quinton Grimes, he's been more aggressive lately, but he needs someone to create for him. And it's just not going to be Deuce McBride. Like, Deuce, he's not getting the job done. I'm sorry. That's not going to cut it. It's not asking him to be the secondary playmaker and lead the bench. No. He's an off-ball guard. Plays good defense at the point of attack. But, like, I would much rather have Malachi Flynn, whatever the hell it is, he gets healthy. Because at least Malachi can run basic pick and roll. Right? I don't think it's a coincidence that the Knicks are scoring less right now, right? Post this trade, their defense is upgraded, but their offense has taken a little bit, a little bit of a dip. Um, 
So you got to get back to finding that balance, and I think acquiring that next piece will be key. Um, but the sooner, the better for me. I don't think you can wait an entire month to do this. I know that the Knicks have a much easier schedule. It's a home favorite schedule coming up this month, but like at the same time, they're the number eight seed at the moment. So they're risking being out of the play-in picture if they continue to go down this route. That's how bad I think this bench is without a ball handler. Um, I also think they need to find a backup big, speaking of the bench, because Precious Achua, just way too undersized to play that role. And he looks very bad so far doing it. Um, Maybe you give Jericho another crack. But like Precious, it just seems a little redundant because Precious and Jericho are both very similar where they're undersized and they're both switchable. Um, I do think Precious has maybe more of an offensive upside, but I'm unsure about his fit in the system because it's just pick and roll and drop with him. He's more of a versatile big, but that seems redundant here because he's limited under Tom Thibodeau's system. I'm going to I'm gonna have to like settle for the fact that the Knicks are probably going to use... Probably gonna, they're gonna they're gonna make a trade for a big, but I don't know if it's gonna be a very intriguing name. Like there are a lot of we went over the list, the episode after Mitch went down for the year, and you know I was just not intrigued with it. I'm gonna have to, and and a lot of us are probably gonna have to accept living with a name we might not like, like if it's a Drummond or Cousins, like I, because they're all better options than what we have right now, you know. So I think they're going to have to make that move soon also. But with the roster being incomplete, I think the biggest thing you're looking at is point guard. The next trade has got to be for that point guard. Um, The Knicks are sitting on Fournier's expiring money, right? Um, Grimes as their best player now. He's their best young player now. He's probably going to be in that deal. Um Mitch is on a descending contract. I wouldn't expect him to be moved. Um, Deuce now has a large enough salary to be included in a trade. Actually, I think since he was extended, that's right, the the new CBA, he can't be moved until the summer. But they have a couple guys. They they kept all their first-round picks, plus the Milwaukee and Dallas picks. And Listen, Brunson's due for the max in two years. So is Randall. They're both probably going to be getting $50 million in salary. I think Ojanobi is expected to make thirty-five to forty million in salary, but Leon put himself in a very good position by moving what will be two twenty-five million dollars salaries in R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, right? Because he made that deal, well, he's now in a spot where he's able to make this next move enough to improve the team, while at the same time maintaining draft capital and assets and cap flex for that star possibility down the line. Um, Is that star possibility a a move for Donovan Mitchell in the summer? I'm going to say right now, like whether you like the Donovan Mitchell idea or not, maybe you think he's too small. Maybe you don't think he's the guy to get them over the top. Regardless, I would prepare for it. You know, I don't think you can make this like Saturday where the Quickly fan club was completely thrown off guard. Um, 
And I would have been in that club too had I not been prepped. But I prepped since the Dante signing. I knew it was happening. I would prepare the same way with this. You know, Mitchell Robinson, Quentin Grimes, any homegrown, long-time Knicks left on this roster, I would prepare because the writing has been on the wall regarding the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell for a little bit now. They love him. They can afford him. He loves them. It's where he wanted to go initially, and he still does. The difference is the Knicks now have leverage. They didn't have leverage the first time. Now they do. Clearing off quickly in RJ was huge because now you look at it and Donovan Mitchell's entering the final year of his deal in 2025. And the Knicks know that Cleveland has to pay Mobley that large figure they're going to pay him. And they're also trying to stay under that second apron too. So they've got the leverage and they're also not dealing with Danny Ainge on the other end, but instead Dan Gilbert. So... I, I want to get back on track, though, because, you know, I don't think Cleveland makes that move midseason. I think they ride this out, and when everyone gets healthy, try to make a push. Um, regarding this season, again, a name you're hearing a lot is the DeJounte Murray name. That's, the more I think about it, look about it, read about it, that made no sense. The more I get curious about the fit, um... Curious about his defense. Like, he's good at the point of attack, but you do have OG Ananobi. How many point of attack defenders can you have? He's not great off the ball defending. Offensively, like, he'd have to play with the bench a lot because he's not really going to be fit with Brunson as two ball dominant guards. And you know it's it's been a problem with he and Trey Young. I mean, that's been a terrible tandem this year. Since they've been together, it's just not been working. It's been very, very mediocre over there. You could stagger him, but like you could only stagger so much. Same with DeMar DeRozan. The same deal. Another starter. I don't know that I want to disrupt the flow of Brunson, DiVincenzo, OG, Randall Lahart. They got a good thing going right now. A lot of people want that DeRozan-Caruso package. Some even want the DeRozan Drummond package. I'm not one who wants anything to do with DeMar. Why am I adding another ball dominant guard next to Brunson and Randall? Why am I adding in a floor shrinker who operates in the same area as Brunson and Randall do? No. Um, I would rather DeJounte uh, because that's at least a flippable contract. So when the Knicks do go after Mitchell this summer, and again, they will, he could be used in that deal. The scary thing is with that, it's like, DeJounte's going to cost a boatload, which might not be ideal for a potentially short-term asset. Right? He's an asset to them. Um, Atlanta got him at what, three first-round picks and a swap. I don't know if the Knicks can get away with anything regarding DeJounte for cheap. Um, do they go after Terry Rozier? I don't know. Is Rogier going to come off the bench for you? He's making 25 a year. He's averaging 36 minutes a game. When was the last time Terry Rogier came off the bench? 2018 with Boston? Because if he starts, I don't know that he fits with the first unit either. He doesn't move off the ball a ton. You know? 
him too would push OG further down the pecking order. He was already third. He's also not a great corner three-point shooter, which doesn't fit Tibbs' system. Um, maybe it's a Jordan Clarkson, you know. Again, though, I don't, I don't see Danny Ainge working fairly with the Knicks. Utah's also right there from the play-in. They're right there. Clarkson does fit coming off the bench, but are the Knicks willing to pay that much for Clarkson in a bench roll? He is playing 30 minutes a game right now. Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, maybe it's Malcolm Brogdon. He is, you know, he's got the injury concern. But maybe you bite the bullet. Maybe you add in Fournier's contract, you throw in picks. Um, he's a six-man-of-the-year winner, so he'd come off the bench. He can also fit next to Brunson when he plays with the starters. That'd be a good fit. It's a contract that you can still move down the line. Another name I've been hearing, and this is a name I'm actually pretty intrigued with. Maybe it's Tyus Jones. Add in another national championship winner to the roster. Um, a lot of people love love the fit here with Tyus Jones. I know I'm open to Tyus Jones. Perfect pick and roll point guard. Runs at a ton with the Wizards right now. He's 13th in the NBA in frequency of players who play at least 20 uh, games. He's very, very, very efficient out of the pick and roll. Third, third in the NBA in points per possession out of it. Good passer. Doesn't turn the ball over very often. That's very quickly like capable of going ISO, getting his own shot, and can maneuver off screens and get to the basket well. And he'd fit Tom Thibodeau's driving kick system pretty well. Tyus Jones is an expiring player. So, I feel like the cost would be pretty reasonable. So, for the right price, yeah, I'm in on Tyus Jones. That's all I need. Like, the Knicks just need a point guard who can simply shoot and run pick and roll. Knock down an open shot off pick and roll if the defense drops or goes under. Make the basic pass to the roll, the basic pass to the perimeter. It's all you got. Just just be able to run pick and roll. I don't need you to be quickly. That's not what the Knicks are looking for. They don't need someone to play of that caliber. They just need an above average backup point guard. Because they're getting that value in OG and Obi at a different position. So, just play good backup point guard. Speaking of point guard, let's hand out awards. Let's give one to Jalen Brunson. Bing bang. Gave Jalen Brunson the game ball last night. 31 points, 30 up, uh, 31 points, 13 assists. He was great. Shot 13 and 22 from the floor, four of nine from three. Started the game red hot. So hot, I was pissed when Tips took him out, but I get it. Um Second half, he was more playmaking and finding cutters and shooters. And yeah, his assist numbers have been skyrocketing. Some of it, I'm sure, is due to the new spacing. But like, I think a lot of us have to take into account the usage has seen a big uptick. 
right? Um, turnovers lately have become a problem for him. But again, hopefully you get that secondary playmake, playmaker to, to take pressure off him. Uh, he did an excellent job in this game hunting mismatches. Like I said, you had Josh Hart come up and screen for him in the fourth quarter. Throughout the game, he was attacking switches onto Patrick Williams, Andre Drummond in space. Doing a nice job rejecting screens, which he's gotten excellent at. Coming off of an iHeart screen going the other way. That helps get him into the lanes and have these bigger passing windows. So, yeah, Jalen Brunson has been great. Obviously, another excellent 30-plus point game from him. Gives him 12 game balls on the season. And that now leads the Knicks with quickly gone. Jalen Brunson, 12 game balls. Let's go to the bench. Quentin Grimes. I gave it to Quentin Grimes at a process of elimination because, again, the bench was not good. <laughs> but I thought Grimes was the least bad. I didn't think he was bad last night. Um... He's been more assertive lately. That's a positive. But it'd be nice if he was consistently like that. If he took it to the basket, took it off the dribble more, especially with Randall generating so much attention with the second unit, be nice to have Grimes garner some of that attention as well. Take pressure off. But yeah, it's been good to see. It's been good to hear his name lately. Like He's been so bad this year. He's just not been mentioned it's been it's been a five-man starting unit and a three-man bench it really has been at least offensively because he's been so quiet so it's good to see him actually like part of the team part of these games lately that's where the standard is with him right now (laughs) like but good for him his third game ball in the year Quentin Grimes Quentin Grimes has also played 31 of the games so he's been healthy something he hasn't been always in the past so that's good for him and that's it, really, regarding this game. I don't think we have much else to add. Up next, the Knicks. Well, they, they have a pretty easy schedule this month, man. That, that's that's finally, like, finally we could take a deep breath. Right? They have a pretty easy schedule in January. Um, some of the contenders they will be facing this month. Um, they got Minnesota out of the way, but they have Philly coming up. Dallas, Orlando, Denver, and Miami. They're playing all those teams this month. But they're also this month playing Chicago's done with, but they have Washington twice, Portland, Memphis, Houston, Toronto, the Nets, Charlotte, and Utah. Those are all very beatable teams. So let's have a little fun here. The Knicks... Entered the new year at 17 and 15. They're currently 2 and 0 this month. So can they go 11 and 5 this month? Can they leave January at So that would mean leave January if they go 11 and 5, can they leave that would that would be that would mean 28 and 20 after January. So can they go 11 and 5? To be 28 and 20 after this month. That's a goal for me. That, that's, that should be their goal. It's a hefty goal, but it's a very, very necessary goal if they want to re-enter the playoff race. Because they're currently the eighth seed, but at the same time, they're one game back from the fourth seed, 
which is nuts. If you look at the Eastern Conference right now, it's pretty insane. Um, yeah, I mean, 11-5 and five basically means beating all the beatable teams that we mentioned and then losing to the contenders. Not even. Like, there's room for error. But you, you, you got to take care of this schedule. You had a tough schedule so far, but you got through it. Now you got to really beat up and get very hot. I feel like they haven't gotten very hot yet this year. Time to do it. A lot of home games this month, too. So I'm actually going to a game at the Garden in February. Going to Knicks-Dallas. But tomorrow night is what we're focused on. Knicks-Philly. I believe that's an ESPN game. Um, Yeah. Oh, the um, the all-star voting stuff. The, the, the fan returns came in. The first... The first returns and the fan voting came in. Um, currently, Brunson is in at the moment. Um, but because it's all a popularity contest and it's a bunch of Zoomer casual fans who don't know much, ahead of Brunson is Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young, which is a little crazy to me, laughable. But, yeah, whatever. Uh, Randall's currently not in the front court 10. People are upset that Kyle Kuzma is in over him. So if you're into any of that, I'm not win me a championship. Plus the all-NBA team is what the sophisticated fans look at anyway. But if you're into any of that, then have fun. Vote. You know, I personally could not care any less than I already care, which is below zero. I don't vote. I never have voted for an all-star appearance. Um, Knicks fans can yell at me all they want for that. I don't give two shits about an expert about an exhibition game in the middle of fucking February. Um, so, who cares? Yeah, that's it. If you care about that, have fun, vote. If you don't, focus on the things that I focus on. Winning. I think that's it. I think we're going to head to our final break. Get back and wrap this up with our trivia. Stay with us here on BD4 episode 602 of the pod. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to BD4Blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to the show. Let's get to our trivia. 
All right. So in this episode, episode 602, our trivia question of the day is true or false. Last night, Isaiah Hartenstein became the first Knicks since Ewing to put up 10 points, 20 rebounds, and five blocks in a game. True or false. Last night, Isaiah Hartenstein became the first Knicks since Ewing to put up 10 points, 20 rebounds, and five blocks in a game. Is that true or false? Is that true or false? So that's it. I appreciate you all tuning in. Episode 602 is in the books. The Knicks defeat the Chicago Bulls and move to 2-0 in 2024. 116-100 the final last night. I appreciate you all tuning in. I'll see you in 603. Again, we've been busy, so we're going to try to get a uh, uh, Yankees episode out. But it's just been hard with the Knicks constantly on. and it's hard, to, it's hard to do two things at once. But I appreciate you all for tuning in. Again, I really, really do appreciate the new subscribers that have just piled in. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm up like 30 subscribers on YouTube out of nowhere and getting a lot more views and likes and comments. So I appreciate all of you. Thank you for that. With that said, that's it for this episode, and I'll see you in the next show. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.